You know, I'd like to start out first by welcoming each and every one of you to the, uh, the assembly of the church this morning. It's always a, an honor, honor to stand before you, an encouragement to see each and every one of you. This morning, uh, although we've got a few family members that are out, uh, we've also got a few visitors, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to come and assemble with us today. Kindly ask at the conclusion of service, stick around for just a moment, give us the opportunity to introduce ourselves, welcome you to La Prada Church Christ. But thank you so much for, for choosing to be here this morning. My prayer is that the comments I've prepared this morning, you'll find edifying and encouraging in your Christian walk. I think that it'll be very obvious and evident that, uh, that it plays a role in everything we do. Technical difficulties. Okay, we're good to go. Plays role in everything we do. We're t- going to be talking about God's love. God's love. We're all familiar with it. We've heard it our whole lives. Part of, a, of, of being a believer, a child of God, is to believe in the love of God. Let's start out with Galatians 5, verse 14. It says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So in talking about God's love for a few moments, specifically I want to address how God's love is, is unique, is different than, than what society and even us at times deem to be love. For instance, have you ever noticed that it's uh, not necessarily easy to love one another? What I mean by that is that there is a challenge, be it personality differences, be it things that have taken place in our lives, there are those that we naturally struggle to love. Love as God intended us to love. Those are the differences I want to talk about. Now everyone here can relate to certain people being a challenge to be around. Maybe it's somebody in the workplace. Maybe it's somebody in your classroom. Perhaps it's an instructor or a boss. Perhaps it's a brother or sister in the church. But that struggle is real. It's something that we just don't feel comfortable with, we choose not to associate with, because we're not in our comfort zone. We're not in our bubble, if you will. You know, for those individuals, our love for them sometimes is a constant work in progress. It takes initiative, it takes desire to approach them, to treat them with love. You know, those are the individuals that God has instructed us to love. Then we have those that have done us harm. Those that have not chosen to look out for our best interests, but rather have chosen to work towards our demise in some capacity. What does God tell us? We're going to cover that this morning, but God tells us to choose love. You know, the reality is that love, as God loves, is is not natural for us. It's not something that we're just born with and, you know, Brian has the love of God. That doesn't work that way. Our natural tendency is is to not love in that capacity. As a matter of fact, that love is something that each of us have to choose to attain. That love, God's love, can be described as agape love. 
If you look at the Greek, unlike the English language where love is, is more or less a large net that encompasses everything you can think of. For instance, I love my wife. I love Texas A&M University, but I'm going to assume that you know me well enough to know that I don't love my wife the same way I love my university. We love our cars. We love our pets. The word love in the English language literally covers everything. But in the Greek... They were much more specific with what we deem to be love. Agape love is a self-sacrificing love. It's goodwill. It's benevolence. It's faithfulness. It's commitment. And it's an act of the will to do good for someone else, for others. You know, the Apostle Paul writes about agape love in Corinthians 13. I want to read just a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians 13, specifically verses 4 through 7. It says, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. You know, these are just a few of the verses in chapter 13 that give some of the characteristics. The reality is, throughout the whole book, Paul's writing about showing God's love. These characteristics listed illustrate what really differentiates God's love, agape love, from what man deems to be love in most cases. Be it Philadelphia love, speaking of friendship, eros, romantic, sexual. Agape love is God's love. See, that uniqueness of God's love causes us to take concern in the welfare of others. Say, well, Brian, I, I do take concern in the welfare of others. I care about my family. I care about those that I'm closest to. But that's a limitation that we put on love. That's not what God intended. Because love, perfect, pure love, God's love, it originates in our heart. It's a heart issue. Absolutely it is. Because that includes those that have done us wrong. Those that we really don't enjoy being around. You know, of all the characteristics we as Christians are to have, the most pervasive would be God's love illustrated in our lives, manifested in our heart. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, it says that Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Consider Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You see, God's love is unique because God's love is a forgiving love. 
that we as his children are expected to take on and let shine in our lives and, and shine through how we treat people, how we respond in situations, how we handle adversity, how we handle persecution. You know, we've been instructed through Scripture to love each other, and that includes, as we've read, to love our enemies. And this love is to manifest itself in our lives. We know this. We've read this. And as I mentioned before, agape love is, is not natural. It's not something that we just have. It doesn't matter how great we are as a person. It doesn't matter how nice or compassionate someone else is. They don't just naturally possess God's love. 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 through 6 reads, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Whereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So how does love, God's love manifest itself in us? It's in us because we choose to obey God's word. We say, well, yeah, Brian, you know, we've got a lot of, most of my friends are believers, you know. They, they, they all choose to follow God's word. Well, again, if, if, you, if you want to paint with a big brush, you could say that. But more specifically, what does God say about that? What does the scripture tell us about that? 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So for one to love means that they are born of God. Why? Because God is love. Scripture tells us that God is love. So when we love someone, what naturally takes place? We see it. We hear about it. Take a young couple that gets married, even an old couple that gets married. Say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not true. We've all witnessed it. When someone loves another person, two spouses, they rub off on each other. They gradually take on attributes of their partner, the one that they love. Typically speaking, we, we refer to that as a positive change. Why does that take place? It takes place because we love the other individual. And those characteristics that they possess, we naturally take on to resemble in ourselves in our lives. But you know what? The same is true of our Heavenly Father. Our God, our relationship with God is the exact same. As we grow and as we mature in the ways of, of God, as we learn, as we take time and invest in Him, as we take time to take God's Word and apply it to our lives, what's taking place? We're, we're beginning to resemble Him in our lives, in our daily walk. You know, too often we, we see and hear of love being an emotion or a feeling that, that just really can't be explained. You know, it's that warm fuzzy. It makes you feel good. 
And this lack of explanation lends itself to us referring to that feeling, that emotion, as, as love. And it's this notion that has devolved to a point which we have some that have actually taken on the thought that love is something you can just fall into. You know, sometimes I say that in jest, but the reality is there are those walking amongst us that truly believe that, that you can just fall into love. Which means that you can just fall out of love. Who wants that love? You know, this notion leads one to believe that that love is by chance and by good fortune, that we just encounter love in our life and we're blessed because of it. Make no mistake, having love in our life is a blessing from God. But don't confuse what love truly is. Because that definition, that belief, that, that lending itself from society push to accept that as love is, is nothing but the, the fallen world's attempt to justify and overlook sin based on what? Based on emotion, based on feelings. Love is not an emotion or a feeling. It can lead to emotions and a feeling, but love in and of itself is not in and of itself an emotion or a feeling. God's love is the only love which allows one to forgive and love regardless, despite the offense that's taken place. Despite the hurt and the harm that's been done. And it's his love that provides his people with the means of what? of having their sins forgiven, having that burden taken off our back, recognizing that as as much as we've messed up, as much damage as as we've, we've caused in our lives, God's forgiven us. God has chosen to not hold that against us. God has put that away. It's been washed away. 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 20 reads, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. How does that correlate to our life? You know, there's a lot of uncertainty, some would say, about the world today. Israel's being attacked. Christians are being persecuted. The economy, they tell us, is going in the tank. Food shortage is crazy. They're, they're messing with our food when we buy it. You know, the, the list goes on. And, you know, all of those things may be true. But at the end of the day, as Christians, we should have the comfort of knowing that our God, our Creator, loves us. And He is going to provide for us. And that's not to, to be a concern that we deal with. Sometimes folks are fearful to have conversations with those that they claim to love. Fear is not a part of love. Fear is something that we as God's creation, as being a, a feeble human, choose to inject in the equation. If we love that person, then those conversations are meant to be had. But they're meant to be had in love. Meaning that our approach to those conversations, are, it's very unique. 
as to our, our, our sincere desire to help. Help in whatever capacity that is. See, God's love is perfect in the sense that it does not fear and it does not have hesitation. But rather, God's love is constant and it is absolute in our lives today. Consider what C.S. Lewis is quoted as saying, Love is not affectionate feelings, but a steady wish for the loved one's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. You see, agape love desires for the person to achieve and possess whatever it is that is best for them in accordance to God's will. It's to love for the sole purpose of love itself. And it's definitely not for the one that's doing the loving. But rather, its concentration is on the one that is being loved. The focus entirely is on the one that's being loved. So then the question presents itself, how can we take on God's love in our own lives? As messed up as our lives are, as much as we mess up, we struggle with the same sin. We feel like that we're going nowhere, we're just spinning our wheels. How do we take God's love and put it into our lives? Acts 2, verses 38 through 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. See here Peter says that we must repent. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And it's at that point that we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But yet we have those out there that say, you know, the the Holy Spirit moved through me and I just felt this on my heart. I believe they sincerely feel that way. But what scripture tells us is that if if they have not been baptized, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, they have not received the Holy Ghost. Scripture shows that there's only one way to receive the Holy Spirit, and that's through baptism. Meaning that that feeling that they have is is an emotion that is conjured up based on what they've chosen to believe. And what they've chosen to believe is not God's word. As sincere as their heart may be, it's not God's word. Romans 5, verse 5 reads, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We continue, Galatians 5, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and faith, and faith. And it continues. But it begins with love. We can only receive the Holy Spirit through baptism. Scripture shows that that is the only way. And the love of God is is only given to us through, through what? Through the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Spirit. So if we can only receive the love of God through the Holy Spirit, and we can only receive the Holy Spirit by following His Word and being baptized, 
By nature, that means that God's love cannot manifest in our lives unless we have chosen to become his child, a child of God. And it's through our love of God that we choose, we choose to follow him. And we recognize the need to be baptized, having our sins forgiven, receiving the Holy Ghost. God's love can only be ours when given to us by the Holy Spirit. John 13, verses 34 through 35 reads, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Scripture shows repeatedly that Jesus taught that we are to love others. And this is only possible through choosing to follow the teachings of God. 1 John three eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, it's through our love of the Father, our love of God, our Creator, that we receive God's love. It's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that teach us and show us how to love in truth and deed. If it weren't for God's teaching and the Holy Spirit working within us, we would not recognize what is needed to be done to illustrate God's love in what in truth and deed. But yet God's love is the only perfect love. It's unique in that you cannot ever give too much of it. It's impossible. It's unique in that you cannot ever receive too much of it. But if you take someone that does not receive love, it has absolute consequences in that individual's life. And that's been shown time and time again. We need love. We have those that, 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 that we refer to as constantly looking to fill the void. They're constantly trying to find something that brings them happiness, brings them joy. What they're trying to do is, is, is fill the void that is meant for God. That's why all too often it turns to alcohol, it turns to drugs. Any other addiction that you can mention turns to entertainment, turns to money. But the reality is they're constantly trying to fill the void in their life that makes them feel empty, that they don't understand, that they have this constant yearning for more, hoping that they're going to find something that will fill that void. So it's through our, our love of our Father that we receive God's love. And we need love. We need love in our life. 1 John 4, verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Now consider that. If no man has ever seen God, we only see the magnificence of his creation. It's all around us. It's in us, literally. To think about all that has to take place 
for us to enjoy the lives that we deem to be normal is, is incredible. But our love is shown to others as it is made perfect in us. So God is seen through our actions, through our time, through our comments. It's shown when, when we choose to help somebody in need. It's shown when we choose to, to be a listening ear, a shoulder to cry on when somebody's having a tough time. It's illustrated when we choose to spend money that we really don't have on someone else that needs it worse than we do. You see, God's love is seen by those around us through our investment into their betterment. It's our investment into them and doing so in a godly way. You know, Scripture tells us that we are to love everyone. Meaning our love should be shown to who? To everyone. But when others see God through us, through our actions, because God has manifested himself in our heart, because we chose to allow it, that only happens by following God's commands. That can only take place by us choosing to allow God to work in us. You see, love in and of itself, it's a choice. We choose to love God, and He in turn loves us. And we have to choose daily as to who we're going to choose to love. And it's difficult to do at times difficult to choose love when somebody is really out to get us. When they're really moving in a direction that we disagree with. But God tells us to choose love. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10 reads, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not, not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. You see, as a child of God, we are to love all the time, all people. And it's through our faith that our Father manifests himself in us so that we recognize that the choices we have before us. And each day we're faced with choices. It's through God's working in our lives, through our study, through our understanding, that we recognize the choices that have been brought to us. And make no mistake, God expects us to choose righteousness rather than the ways of this world, rather than the ways of the devil. We're commanded to love our brother. God's love is unique in that it allows us to forgive and overcome challenging situations, hardships, heartache. Be it it's a situation that took place in our childhood. Maybe we, brought, we, we were raised in a household that was, that was not Christian. Maybe some atrocious things took place. It's only through God's love that that can be overcome. Perhaps it's as, as an adult, we've, we found ourselves in positions where we've been taken advantage of. And it's burdening our life. It's only through God's love that that can be overcome. 
Because God's love allows us to move past whatever it is that's, that's hanging us up. It's forcing us to be angry, to be frustrated, forcing, forcing us to, to have feelings of, of grudge or revenge. Because God's love doesn't allow it. You know, God's love not only helps the one that's choosing to love, and again, it is a choice, but God's love helps the one we're choosing to love. Most of us have probably experienced this in life, where we've chosen to show love to someone that that doesn't deserve it. Because you know what? Whether they've chosen to follow God or not, God has given each of us a conscience. And when we choose to show love, they know that what they did was wrong and atrocious. Whether they choose to discuss it and admit it is really irrelevant. We're choosing to love them because God loved us. Choosing to love them because God has told us that we are to love our brother. And although it may not be recognized at that time, that individual recognizes that they did not deserve the love that was extended to them. First John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? You see, God loved us so much that he did what? He gave up his only begotten son. He gave up his son to be crucified so that we could have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven. We could have the opportunity to spend an eternity in heaven with him. His desire for us is to spend an eternity in heaven. That our free will gives us the choice. The choice that we have to make is, are we going to choose to love God? And that's a choice we make daily. Sometimes we make it multiple times a day. Or do we choose to follow the ways of the world? You see, Jesus, Jesus had a choice. Jesus could have called down angels keep him from going to the cross. But did he? No, he did not. Why did he choose not? Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves all those that have yet to find him. All those that have not followed the gospel, the path to salvation. He loves them. And he wants them to have the opportunity to make the choice. And they do have that opportunity. They have that opportunity to follow God or to follow the ways of the world, seeking to fill that void in their life that that quite frankly can't be filled. You see, it's through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins that we receive that Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, God's love, His perfect love, is rendered to us. And through our faithfulness to Him, through our desire to seek out his word and implement his teachings in our life, that, mer- that love is made perfect in us. And it's at that point 
that we truly have the love of God. So you say, well, Brian, you only have the true love of God whenever, whenever he manifests in you. That manifestation takes place when you receive the Holy Spirit. The point that you were baptized, the Holy Spirit takes care of the rest. And then it's our job to choose to love him continually so that his word, his teachings, his ways are implemented in our lives today. My hope is this morning that that each of us will recognize that daily we're given the choice. We're given the choice to love or to ignore and just walk away. God expects us to choose love. God expects us to take the time and invest in that other person. Why? For the sole purpose that we love them. For the sole purpose that love is sacrifice. God's love is sacrifice. And we're given the opportunity to sacrifice daily. I hope that we recognize those opportunities when they're around us. Because those are the situations, those are the times that we truly have the ability to make a change in those around us. Because we love them. Just as God loves us. So this morning I pray that what I've shared with you found uplifting, encouraging thought-provoking, recognizing that in life, each day, we have the opportunity to make a difference, to make a difference for the lives of those around us, to make a difference in the kingdom of God. This morning, if you've not been baptized, if you haven't ever received the love of God, then I would ask you, what's holding you back? Why are you waiting? If it's an issue where you don't feel like you've studied enough, then I would ask you to please let us know. We would love to assist if you're willing to let us. But also this morning, there may be a brother or sister that's struggling, finds themselves down, finds themselves getting depressed, recognizing that life is tough. Well, guess what? You've got a church family that loves you, a church family that cares and will do anything we can to assist you, help you through this time, because that's what brothers and sisters do. Why? Because we love you. So if if there's one of either class with us this morning, I would humbly ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.